If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. How was that filming together? It was that fun as hell. It was so much fun. I say that about nobody else, by the way. <laughs> The, the times on the show that I got to torture people or um, have crazy, like, on-camera sex with Quinn were the most fun ever. Yeah. You know it what I mean? It was real. Debbie Allen directed the first episode yeah. where we had to, I smack your face, then you grab my cheeks so that I can't speak. You're, like, hurting my face. And, oh, yeah. I smacked him so hard his ears was ringing. It was yeah, awful, Yeah, I lost Brian. my hearing for, like, <laughs> half an hour. I've talked about this on other shows. But I was like, Katie, smack me for real. Like, do it for real, for real. And then I was like... <laughs> What did you say, Debbie? Like, I couldn't hear. Hi, my name is Katie Lowe's, and I really like this podcast. Hi, guys. My name is Guillermo Diaz, and I just watched a rat run across my backyard. No! Yes! Twice! Twice! Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back here to Off the Beat. I am your host, Brian Baumgartner, and today is a very special day because today we have not one, but two exciting guests. That's right. It's a threesome, Katie Lowe's and Guillermo Diaz. Now, I met Katie and Guillermo for the first time today, but they met a decade ago on the set of Scandal, one of the most popular shows, well, certainly in the last decade, and for good reason. It has politics, it has drama, but most of all, it has Katie and Guillermo. Now, they're actually starting their own Scandal podcast called Unpacking the Toolbox. I've heard the trailer, and it is fantastic. Lots of scandal, but that's expected. They're here today to talk about their early days as actors struggling in New York, their time on Scandal, what it means to be a part of the Shondaland universe, and 
both of their most recent shows, Law and Order Organized Crime for Guillermo and the most talked about show of the last year, Inventing Anna for Katie. They're delightful together. I didn't even need to be here, but guess what? I was. So here they are, Katie Lowe's and Guillermo Diaz. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning. Left over from the night before. Hi guys. Hi What's Brian. Up, Brian. How are you? We're good. How are you? I'm good. I mean, you know, I'm lurking in the background, so I hear. I mean, we should keep the conversation going. <laughs> Guillermo, you're going to Vegas this weekend. That's fantastic. I am. I am. I know. Ex- you're not like a Vegas dude to me, but like maybe no. you are, and I'm always I, learning I, new I, things from this friendship. Yeah, I love Vegas. I really love it. I mean, I can't go for more than like two days. You know what I mean? Um, yes, but I'm excited yes. we're going to see the Michael Jackson show out there. Oh, it's oh. so good. Yeah. I saw it. You did? Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm super excited I about that. I saw it. And you know what's so funny? Did you guys watch the Chris Rock special on yes. Netflix? I haven't seen yeah. it. Well, but I just, heard about it. Yes. It got me thinking because he was saying how, like, people are selectively... Outraged. Out or outrage, and he's like, "Why are we allowed to watch Michael J- listen to Michael Jackson, but we're not allowed to listen to R. Kelly?" Do you know right, what I mean? Like, right. yeah, yeah. And yeah, that anyway, whatever you feel about that, I'm not trying to be provocative right now, but I'm like, I'm trying it to ask. Sounds like you're qu- trying to be provocative. No, but I'm like continue. trying yes. to ask that question in myself because right? I've seen the Michael Jackson yeah. show and I love Michael Jackson music. Yeah. And then I and I know what he's done. And then I would never see a musical about R. Kelly. No, totally so like, same. I just, yeah. I don't know what's happening in my brain. Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> that he, he presented that and then it makes you, it really makes you think, yeah. Yeah, and like everybody's different what they feel. Because I have friends who are like, we'll walk off a dance floor if Michael Jackson comes on. Really? 100%. Really? Uh, 100%. Like they are like, absolutely not. I don't endorse support any of this music. This person was incredibly sick and and broke laws and hurt people and children. And so I'm out. Right. And I'm like, fuck, I'm a bad wow. person. Interesting. <laughs> you're on the dance floor. Like, <laughs> I'm just like doing the moonwalk, like my best impression of the moonwalk. I mean, Guillermo, this sounds like kind of an indictment of you. How are you feeling right now about to go to Vegas and watch this show? <laughs> oh my God, that's right. What the fuck, man? <laughs> well, I've seen it and was just saying I was endorsing it because I loved it. Right, like, It was right, right. amazing. Um, you guys, I mean, I have to start with what is secretly wrong with Bellamy Young? Uh, I just had the opportunity to work with her. She seems way too kind a person. There must be something. What did you work with her on? We're, uh, working on a new show. Uh, the other black girl for Hulu. Yes. I find her way too delightful. So there must be something wrong with her. There isn't. There unless isn't? you hate a vegan, unless you hate vegans or no. you hate animal lovers, <laughs> those <laughs> would be the only things yeah. to check. She All loves right. animals and she doesn't eat them. But okay. other than that, <laughs> right. she's pretty gloriously perfect. Yeah. Okay. And, but but your your feeling, your thinking is is c- correct. Cause when I first met her, I thought the same too. I was like, 
this is a way too like is this real and then you come to find out years later that she's that exact same person every single day with you and she's just a, she has the biggest heart and the most loving kind person i know she really is but she is uh she's pretty fantastic she's pretty fantastic She's exceptional. Also, it's like disarming. Like, I don't know where you're from originally, Brian, but I don't know like a lot, a lot of like Southern bells. Like, say, I'm funny, from the South. So- she's Bellamy, yeah. but oh, okay. So she's yeah. like, I was like, the f- what the hell is this? Like, I'm from New York. I've never met women that are like that. Like, like she's very, oh God, Josh Molina used to drive him so crazy on Scandal because she's a big hugger and kisser and very warm. Yes. But she also, She's just the person on our WhatsApp, like, scandal chain. She knows everybody's birthday, everybody's anniversary, and is, like, so conscious about that. It's, like, pretty remarkable. Is that a Southern thing? You're from there, Brian. Is that a Southern woman thing? Um, I mean, my mom does that. So I guess that. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, it's Blue Mountain cards, generally. Blue Mountain messages, generally, at this point. I get those from my Aunt Maureen. What are those? What's a Blue Mountain message? I don't know what that is. It's a, it's basically a, it, it, I mean, it's still a kind gesture, which I guess, I guess it's more effort than just a text, if that's what Bellamy does. But it it is a virtual card that you open, usually has some sort of dancing flower flower yes yes and Um, it says like wishing you a great day it's like an e-card but the company is called blue mountain and i that is classic in my family as well yes (laughs) um all right i want to go back to your to your childhoods uh i want to go back uh to your time growing up both of you each of you when did you start becoming interested in the arts or acting G. Guillermo. For me, it happened when I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school and I did a a talent show where we did a medley of songs uh, by the Beastie Boys. Okay. Um, And I played Mike D and it was the first time I was on stage and and I just fell in love with performing and I thought, this is what I want to do. And then from that point on, I just really, really uh, focused on pursuing it. I bought Backstage. There used to be a newspaper called Backstage. And, you know, you'd circle the auditions and open calls and all that stuff. I did a ton of extra work and background work and student films. And I just I really just wanted to to act. And I pounded the pavement and I just I, you know, and I, I just kept going. So that's that's how it started for me. But let me ask you this. So you <laughs> you're on a talent show stage as the Beastie Boys. Like what what was the impetus behind? wanting to do that or right. were you just kind of conned by your friends into doing this somewhat i didn't even I, w- I didn't even want to be in the talent show but one of the guys dropped out that was playing mike d and my friends were like guillermo please just do this for us do us this solid and i was like all right and that's sort of how it happened so i wasn't even looking for it i wasn't even thinking about you know wanting to do the talent show it just sort of fell in my lap and then it was it was a you know really exciting surprise that i that i loved it so much did you kill it? Was the audience like in the palm oh, yeah. of your hand? I, I have I it on tape. <gasps> I have it. It's recorded. Like I you have, have it. I have it on tape. Yeah. Oh, it's on a VHS. God. Yeah. Well, you, but you haven't changed it over yet. Yeah, you got to change it over. I to have TV. it. No, you have to I change need it over to, to an that. electronic file. Let me tell yeah. you something, Guillermo. Oh my god, you can't. This <laughs> is not going to survive. I know. This may have I know. Already, oh, if you've fuck. moved it's, from it might be New York apartment to New York apartment, this is going to get. 
you know, damaged in some way. I know, I know. I really, I'm going to transfer it over. There's, there's a photo on my Instagram of us three dressed like the Beastie Boys from that night. If you scroll wow. through on my Instagram, wow. there's a photo Changed of us. Changed your yeah. life, Mikey. Yeah. And now. then, and then years later, a f- fun fact, years later, I did a movie called uh, Half Baked and Tamara Davis directed it. And she, I couldn't believe that she was married to Mike D. <laughs> And I got to tell this story to Mike D and to Tamara Davis and to Dave Chappelle. And that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. You have said in the past that uh, hiding the fact that you were gay growing up gave you a crash course in acting. Can you, can you talk to me a little bit about that or why you feel that way? It did, man. You know, when you're, when you're growing up in, in, in New York city in Washington Heights in the eighties, you know, we, I did a lot of lying, <laughs> a lot okay. of lying, a lot of hiding, a lot of, you know, just suppressing all, all things gay that I knew I was. And, and it, it really does. It makes you, it made me a really good actor because yes. I, you know, I just sort of, you know, rolled along throughout my world acting like I wasn't gay and it just sort of helped with my acting. And it's sort of a messed up thing to think about, you know what I mean? Cause I was, I was hurting inside and the fact that I was hiding and lying to my parents, to friends, like that was all really sad to me, but it was, it was a, a, a performance I had to keep, keep doing and keep up if I wanted to sort of, you know, survive for lack of a better word in, you know, where I grew up. You know, I also think it sort of relates so much to like, Guillermo's had the most incredible run of playing so many different types of parts, but you've played a lot of like super tough, fucked up, like jail, con, you know, drug dealers, all this stuff. And I, I feel like it's so authentic because it's probably taps into you covering growing up in like a tougher neighborhood and, you know, pretending to be like a really tough kind of exterior person. Absolutely. Yeah. And and you've played gay characters in your in your career yeah. also, but but I just think you're you're really good with a gun. You've done so much gun work. <laughs> you've done so much. I've done like, so somebody, much gun work. Can somebody pull that for the tape? Can somebody pull that for the tape? You've done a lot of gun 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 work. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's yeah. <laughs> um, but you've also every time you're in like a a jail suit. Like, are, haven't you been? Because I've been in comedy oh. a few times, and you're like, this is my fiftieth. This is yeah, oh, a million <laughs> times, yes. Every, I've done Law and Order like five, six times, and you know, five out of the six, I've been a convict in a in an orange jumpsuit. <laughs> We'd either murdered someone or raped someone, or nice. you know, mm, yeah, nice. me pedophile, a, a pedophile, pedophile. good for yeah. you, Brian. Yeah. There mm-hmm. you go, yeah, orange good jumpsuit. Our right is our right of passage is doing Law and Order. If you're well, a that's New York what actor, it is, right? especially in New York, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a right of passage. Yeah. It really uh, is. Uh, Katie, what about you? When did you start thinking this was bug. your path? <laughs> My God damn it. I got the bug like very early. I just always was one of those, you could probably tell, annoying little girls who was just looking for attention and applause. And my parents probably messed up the other direction telling me that I was special too often. (laughs) (laughs) But in all honesty, my mom like always danced as her like workout, like I grew up in Queens and my mom was a mover. Like she just, she's a yoga teacher now, but she just was always a mover. So we were always in like 
mommy-daughter dance class on Thursdays at, like, 5. And and I just remember being in little, like, recitals when I was 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. And, you know, then in fourth grade, I got Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Like, it just was never... I never questioned when I was 12. I we I grew up right outside the city and I remember screaming, crying, begging my dad for an agent. He was like, absolutely <laughs> not. Like he was like, absolutely not. If you want to do the school plays and, you know, community theater and you want to go to dance class, I will support that wholeheartedly. And even if you decide to major in it and go to school for it, I will also support that, which at the time, I didn't realize what a gift that was right. until I ended up going to school and realized how many kids' parents were like, there's no way. But by the way, now that I have kids, I'm like, they weren't wrong. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but but my dad was like, there's no way you're doing anything professional until you decide as an adult that that's the path you want to follow. But like, you're going to be a regular kid. And so I did every little role from chorus to this, that. And then when I started doing it professionally, I was like, oh, my God, this sucks. This is so hard. <laughs> like, I didn't realize, like, I had always been such the goody two-shoe people pleaser, like, the best in my class, get the monologue, this, that, and the other thing. And then it was, like, record scratch stop <laughs> yes. at, like, 21. It was, like... You're never working. You're going to be a waitress for a decade. You are going to fucking fight for this tooth and nail. And you will work harder than you've ever worked for this dream that a lot of other people have. And it took 10 years before and also probably 15 auditions in front of Shonda Rhimes, although she'll say to you, I... Katie just came in. I, no, no, no. That was like my fifteenth like, audition going for in. Shonda yeah. Rhimes. I had been on private practice. I had been on Grace. I had done all of it. I had tested for her previous shows, but Scandal was really the thing where I was like, oh, I can stop my side hustle. I don't have to nanny. I don't have to be a personal assistant. I don't have to be a fucking caterer. All of these things. Right. Meanwhile, my parents were just always very supportive, but felt. I think really nervous. Like I remember being 28 and like fighting for health insurance and, you know, driving my Renarec around in Los Angeles, looking at my Thomas guide of how to get to my third rejection of the day. And my parents <laughs> right. were like, I don't know how long this is going to go. And to be honest, I don't know if I, I got, I respect so many, I have wonderfully talented friends in their forties and fifties who are still fighting that fight. And I don't mm -hmm. know if I would have had it in me. I don't know. I like to think so. Like I'm an artist and an actor through and through, but man, that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. No, it's, it's really tough. But in terms of your path, you decided to go to Tish. I assume that's yeah. what you're referring to and your parents supporting you. Yeah through Tish. You don't believe that. Oh were you process oh based at that point or were you, or was it about the business? I was not about the business at all. I was the weird experimental theater wing, like rolling around on the floor, working with like thinking Love I it. was making the greatest art that's ever been created in the tri-state area. Yep. Like, Everybody got body lice. It was awesome. <laughs> like, we were writing our names in permanent markers, holding umbrellas naked. It was so crazy. Tish was so expensive. And the best thing they ever gave, they, they would be like, here's 50 bucks. Like, go make a play. Like, you're lucky that we gave you a little black box theater with 40 seats. And God, did we, like, make the most of it, I thought. But my my parents, who always loved that I did musicals, they came to one of my first Tish plays where I took my top off and someone had to masturbate in the play. Oh. And, my, and I remember my parents <laughs> sitting in the front row being like, 
Oh my god! Like, and it's a great play. It's Beirut. Like, Marissa Tomei did it off Broadway. Like, it's super legit. Like, I'm not like it was a fucking. It's a great play. But, but they're like, this is but not my Hello were Dolly. Like, what happened to guys in dolls yeah, or yeah. Carousel or like Pirates of Penzance? And I was like, um, Mom, I am an artist now. I am a drama major. This is drama. My boobs are gonna be out. Thank God the iPhone didn't exist then. You know. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> I was just naked all the time all up on that stage just naked <laughs> naked with an e <laughs> with an e did you guys do you feel like the, growing up in new york influenced you and your aesthetic your career paths your desire to create naked art <laughs> i think i think growing up in new york certainly uh gave me a, an edge that i um you know, at the time, I don't know if I appreciated it as much at the time as I do now, but similar to Katie, I, I, I joined a theater company called Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. We did the same sort of thing. We would, you know, we had a sort of a rundown space on 53rd street between like 10th and 11th Avenue. And we would go backstage where there were bags of old masks and costumes and we would dress up and do kabuki, kabuki makeup and, Amazing. and then get on the stage and perform and move however we wanted to move. And, and a lot of those artists are like Daphne Rubin Vega, David Zayas, Philip Seymour Hoffman, John, John Ortiz, Ortiz. like it was all Stephen Adley Giergis, who, oh, who is playwright. an amazing playwright. Yeah. And so th th this was the group of people that I was rolling around just like you, Katie, <laughs> on this like, you know, old, like dusty stage. But it and again, we were we were in in New York City in the early 90s doing this. So it was, you know. I remember going to the theater and being like, okay, I hope I don't get mugged. I have to walk really fast and I have to, you know, keep my head down. And it, it was, it was a, a journey to the theater, hoping you weren't going to get jumped by someone at, oh my at knife point, which happened a lot in New York. But, but again, that gave, I think that gave me a certain, and all of us in, in that group gave us a certain edge, which I love so much. And I move through you know the rest of my career even now I, I move in, around in the world with that inside me and I, I love that I'm Katia Adler host of the global story over the last 25 years I've covered conflicts in the Middle East political and economic crises in Europe drug cartels in Mexico now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. 
Enjoy Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen Nicotine Pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at zin.com. That's zyn.com to start your new journey today with the Zin 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. When you get out of school and you start auditioning for things, Guillermo, for you, struggles early on did you find it um yes you're not oh your head. my god absolutely I, it was a you know i mean talking about it now sounds like it was something that happened very quickly it took i think it took even longer than 10 years for me it was it was constantly pounding the pavement and you know, dealing with rejection. And again, like I said earlier, doing, I did a ton of extra work. I was doing extra work on student films. That's how fucking, oh my can, God. Can, you say, oh. can you say student films on podcast? Can we curse? Can we curse? But yeah, that's how, that's how like down low I was. But you know, with all that said, I loved it. I still loved it. It, it was still so much fun and, and exciting and exhilarating to be in front of the camera whenever I was or on stage. But yeah, it was a constant, constant, constant struggle. Even, I mean, Katie, I think will agree with me. Like even now, it's oh a constant god. struggle now. I just had three huge rejections last week where I was oh like, my god. oh god, I'm yeah. gutted. My god, yes. I'm still doing this. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just dragged over the coals for like a yes. while just to get like a big fat no at the end of it all. It's like, oh <laughs> my god. But you know what? I just, I think you have to be like, I don't know. I don't want to say stupid. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> But there's some like faith, hope, yes. naivete, whatever it is to think that like this day is going to be different or this opportunity is going to be different. It's different now. Yes, I think you're right. Like there has to be something where it's like, I think someone might give me a shot. Like, yeah, I, I also think what we were asking before about the New York edge. I remember moving to L.A. and being like is anybody doing anything? Like, I remember, like, New York, you're a, like, you're early to things. You fight for your place. Like, like if this is a contest of, like, how hard you can work, like, I feel like New Yorkers work pretty hard to get what they want, you know? And I remember moving out to Los Angeles and so many people were calling themselves actors, but they weren't doing anything. Like, right. I was like, okay, I'm in class and then I go to waitressing and then I'm going to go to babysitting and then I'm going to try to meet this person and then maybe this casting director will have lunch with me and then maybe they'll give me a babysitting job and then I'm going to go back to acting class and then I'm going to try to keep my body in mental health and shape. Like, I just remember, like, studying my auditions and things like that and I started a yeah. theater company and, like, you know, I was just, like, hustling and I feel like that always gave me such an edge because there were so many people out in L.A. who were just far more laid back and chill. I feel and like people in LA were all um, sort of hyper-focused on like a really great headshot. Yeah. Or like, you yeah. know, 
that sort of superficial type mm -hmm. of stuff as mm -hmm. opposed to like mm -hmm. really like finding work and working on monologues or finding a, yeah. you know, a theater to do a play in or stuff like that. Yeah. But I think not just in acting or theater, but in the world and in, in whatever business that you're in, the amount of work outside of doing the thing that you do to prepare you to do the thing that you do is so important and doesn't get enough credit. You hear the word lucky a lot or like right place at the right time, or you met the right person or whatever. But I think all of those things are a product of all of that work that you're doing outside of the thing that you're trying to do. I completely agree. Sometimes I'm like lucky enough to go in and I like talk to little like I said, I started a theater company like um, 16 years ago, and I go in sometimes to like classrooms of like 20, like younger actors. And and I'm like, what are you doing, though? Like nine to if this is your job. Right. And you're going to work at least 40 hours a week on this. You should more, by the way. Like, what does that mean if you don't have someone paying you right now currently to act? Like, what are the hours filled with? And and to me, that's also like therapy, walking all of that stuff. But I'm like, this sure. is such a mental, physical game of like longevity and stability and being able to when opportunity does finally knock to be able to show up with all of the work you've done on yourself and on the and, and acting itself. And you're ready to be there because I have also seen people sabotage the shit out of those opportunities like oh, yeah. badly because the outside stuff that you work on was not there. Right. I mean, it's wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, I always, you know, cause I did, you know, I did theater for a number of years and really thought that that was my path. path. And I say now when I moved to Los Angeles, I was still an actor, but I felt like I changed careers because yeah. for me, the, the business work outside, be it networking, be it What's happening in the world of film and television is equally, if not more important than all of that stuff. Yep. No, it's a big, the business side of it is also huge. I mean, oh my God, like you said, some of these greatest actors I went to school with didn't have the business head or the business savvy of like how to make a business of yourself and sell yourself. I mean, there's also all of that. I mean, it's, right. it's, 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 it's a lot. It's I mean, a lot. You gotta have a very <laughs> odd combination of like artist and artistry. And at the same time, this business sense and this business savvy yeah. of how to work it that's authentic and feels good to you. Um, I mean, I used to waitress at a restaurant and bless her, one of my best friends used to write her fucking website with a reel on every check because we would wait on <laughs> Ryan Murphy and the creator of Batman and Bruce that's Cullen smart. and Justin Timberlake. I mean, freaking everybody. This was the power hour lunch spot. And that never fe felt authentic to me. Like I just, mm. there, like I could talk and and be like, hey, I just had an audition, you know, like something, barely that. And I used to come home and feel like shit that I was missing my opportunity. And she totally got a job out of that. She got a nine oh. episode recurring part. Wow. I would have, I would have gone on that, on that website. I would have <laughs> typed that up, right? And she's good. Like she went like to Tish, like she's like a fucking great actor. Um, <laughs> oh. She has since now retired from the business, but at the time she was totally hustling. And, and so that's what I mean to say, like, you have to figure out how to work the business, like 
in a way that feels good to you. For example, I was a babysitter nanny for two big casting directors who have both are two out of the three only casting directors in Hollywood who repeatedly hire me. Nobody right. else. Really? <laughs> I love that. Like, I, honestly, like I've right. been babysitting and they've been family for me for 15 years. Yeah, but they wouldn't continue hiring you if you could if you didn't deliver when no, I you got the job. No, I still have to test and prove you know what myself I mean? to the yeah. whole yeah. team. But they're the ones that are the gatekeepers. Course, like they get me in there. But luckily, yeah. you're really good. Like <laughs> if you suck, they would have been like, "Oh, damn, we got it. Should we bring her in again? She's really bad." You know what I mean? Well, it, that that could work the other way too. It's like oh, I don't want to lose my babysitter. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so you maybe here's the key. Be really nice and respectful and and appear to be uh, artistic and be kind of a shitty babysitter. Right. Be so that well, they don't, I kind of they, was. They do, do. <laughs> I look back and I'm like, oh, my God. I used to be smoking cigarettes out of the car, would like fling it out as soon as I would like pick her up from school. And then I would take her to the zoo or whatever, but have like the dude I was dating like come meet me meet at the me zoo. There. So I would be like double tasking, like babysitting and going on a date. I'm not Shut kidding. Shut up, oh. Katie. This is – News to me. I love this story. Oh, oh my, my God. God. I was 24 and such a idiot. Wow. But whatever. And they know that. it now. Like, I'm not. Right. I mean, I hope they do. If not, now they know. Now they Please do. keep yeah. hiring me. Keep Please keep letting me audition for you. Thank you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, for you, Katie, well, early on, I understand you appeared on a couple of episodes of both The Guiding Light and oh, As the World Turns. Now, I know that's not ultimately what you wanted (laughs) to do for your career, but talk to me a little bit about that experience. Was it awful or did that teach you something? Uh, Yes. Well, I got the crazy thing is I got really close on both to having like that being my first job out of college, like contract roles, like four year contract roles. And I always like look back and being like, oh, my God, I was so upset that I didn't get it because the money would have been great. But I am relieved I didn't get it because I I think maybe I would have stayed there forever. Like maybe we still would know Katie Lowe's as <laughs> who the hell knows what their names were. But for 50 years, you're going to play that part anyway. Oh, no, it was awful. It was so embarrassing because on both roles I had to, oh, no, one, I played a nurse that stole drugs and took them. So that was exciting. That's a good part. (laughs) The other one was horrifying because I had to like have one of those scenes where it's like, oopsie, I forgot my bathing suit and like jump into a hot tub that's a pretend lake with ferns around it. (laughs) And I just remember feeling so like I was in like a nude thong and like the whole crew was around. It wasn't a closed set. And it was like, I just didn't know at the time what that was. And I was not a comfortable, like sexy actor. God, I've been naked. I've uh, on this podcast. It sounds like all You're I do is naked, sexy naked. shit, and it is truly not. I had a brief moment in my early twenties where this occurred, <laughs> and it has never really again. So, but I remember just feeling like so embarrassed and and felt so dumb. Like I, I was like, uh, like like just oh god, like my acting was terrible and. But whatever, it's part. It's part of it. It's it's a really just part of the whole thing. God, it's, I wish I had it on VHS. I don't know where. Right? I, oh, I, I yeah, mean. that would be good. <laughs> I mean, I know you only did a few episodes, but the thing that I have were you always, on soaps? No, oh, come on, <laughs> no. But the thing that I've always thought about it and heard about it is 
in terms of getting a crash course of being on camera. Soaps to me is up another level because you're literally being handed pages, get one shot and it's done. 80 pages a day they do. Yeah. 80 pages. They don't block anything. Every blocking has either three moves you could do. It's like a dosi do, a like stack shot, like anything because they can't move cameras. But it's different than a multicam. It's not procedure, you know, it's not proscenium staging. Right. So there's only a few moves you could do. Wow. And yeah, you get one shot. So you cannot mess up your lines. It's I God, those actors like, and also they have to turn on the emotion and the waterworks in one second. You yeah. can't pull out the tear stick. And there ain't no tear operas. sticks. It's no. just like you just go, and you're just. It's really, really a wild place. Uh, Guillermo, you did not start on soaps, <laughs> but you did a series of episodes on what some consider dark horse greatest thing that ever existed the Chappelle show talk to me a little bit about how that happened and what that taught you early on um well um I did a movie the movie I did with Dave Chappelle half-baked I did that so Dave was you know liked my work and and dug what I was doing and just brought me he was like hey I'm doing this show come do the show with me it just felt like a continuation of playing like we were playing when we did the movie. And he he started Chappelle's show, like if if I remember correctly, right after the film. And it just felt like we just kept playing. You know, we were like these just big goofballs and doing these like really provocative sketches that Dave and uh, Neil Brennan, who is his uh, co-writer, were writing. You know, in one of the sketches, he the one character uses the n-word over and over and over and over and back in the day they didn't bleep the n-word and now if you watch the episodes it's bleeped but oh wow you know it wasn't it wasn't just being used frivolously it was used where there there was a you know there was a lesson and and behind all of it and it was so smart and the writing was so intelligent and yeah i just i remember just feeling really really lucky that that dave gave me that opportunity to to work on that show with him. And it's funny because before that I had done a show called House of Buggin' with John Leguizamo, which was a sketch comedy show too, which I don't think a lot of people sort of really heard about or know about, but I feel like I, I got more training there than I did. Like maybe that sort of helped me to be able to do a Chappelle show. Cause it was a same sort of thing. John Leguizamo sort of took me under his wing and then brought me onto the show and we would, perform it, you know, every Thursday after rehearsing all week and wow, in front of a live audience and and we would do all these different characters. Yeah. Guillermo's one of those fun. actors that can literally do everything. It's so well, insane. Like I'm also the most insecure freaking actor in person you could ever imagine. I think that's why I'm constantly like me and Katie were talking about this the other day cuz Katie's in an acting class and I was like Katie, I kind of want to go and you know, audit the class and possibly be a part of it just to sort of keep, keep that instrument oiled up. So I don't get super anxious when I'm not working for long periods of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Were you aware working on the Chappelle show, like before it comes out or before it starts getting the attention it does that what he was doing and talking about was different and unique, Um, not like any other job or for you, was it a job and you got to play? Yeah. I think it was a little bit of both. I remember just having such a blast and everything being so f- 
it was just so funny. I remember just like truly like sincerely cracking up shooting these sketches. But then also in the back of my head, I was like, this is this is like other level because it wasn't just some sort of BS like comedy skit. There was again, there was like a lesson and a, a point behind all of it. So I, I remember thinking for sure that this is this is something special, you know. Last thing, pre-Shondaland, I have to bring up to the two of you. <laughs> on a lot of my bios, it says that I was on this little show in an uncredited role. This is unfortunately for me false. Both of you appeared in episodes of The Sopranos. Were you, were you, Katie, by the time you got on, were you a Huge. fan of the show? It was the biggest show ever. Like it, it was, was the biggest show ever. It was the biggest so show ever. So you were aware. I, yeah, I was on season six. So it was already like the biggest show ever. Like when I called my parents to tell them I got one line on The Sopranos, like everyone was speechless. <laughs> yeah. You were on it too? Who did you play? No, that's what I'm saying. It was I a false credit, right? Like I, they credited I, on a bunch but... of bios. I don't know. And I don't Get know who, who it is here, Brian. that they think <laughs> that I was. It says that's I was in an episode. Hilarious. Uncredited. I wasn't at all. I never was. That's hilarious. I only got mine because actually Guillermo and I just found out from each other that we were on The Sopranos. Like we didn't know that. Yeah. By the time I got on The Sopranos, it was like a law and order, but like times a million because it was one of the few shows that shot in New York. So everybody was trying to get on it. And also it was the biggest show. Right. But I had one line and Steve Buscemi was directing the episode and I had to go to Silver Cup Studios and go to the callback and I was so nervous. It was insane. And I had to, I smoke a cigarette in the scene and there I'm AJ's date to a family wedding and a tray of like oysters come around. And the, 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 you know, the wait staff says like, would you like one? And I take a look and I inhale from my cigarette and I say, I don't eat fish. And then I blow out the toxins. Right. So it's a joke line. But I was so young. I was 21. It was like 22, like one of my first jobs. And Buscemi just really didn't want a kid coming in who didn't smoke. So they were like, do you smoke? And I was like, yes. And I'm pretty sure that's the only reason why I got the job. <laughs> um, but because it was a wedding and the whole episode took place in one scene in this wedding in this wedding venue room and I was AJ's date and I was sitting at the family table I was in the background in every Ugh. scene so I shot for 3 weeks wow at Leonard's in Long Island which is where my cousin Michael got bought mitz bar mitzvah and my whole family came they let my whole family come to set Oh, really? I hung out with, you know, Tony <laughs> Soprano in his trip. Like, the whole cast. They put us up in hotels in Long Island. I went out with all of them. It was wow. remarkably fun. And I actually became lifelong friends with Jamie Lynn Sigler, who played Meadow. It's where we met, and we've been friends ever since. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, she and I are friends, too. I'm surprised we haven't met. She, um, me, too, Brian. I know. Very interesting. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zin. Find your Zin online or in a store near you at zincom find. That's zyn.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Okay, before Scandal, you appeared on two other shows. You mentioned it briefly before, Grey's Anatomy and Private Practice. Were you all in on the Shondaland thing before yeah. Scandal, or were yeah. these just jobs for you? When I was like 24, I started watching Grey's Anatomy because I had a best friend who was on it. And I was like, I got to get on a Shonda Rhimes show. Like that was like in my head. I was like, I just related to those women more than other women on television shows. They looked mm. like me. They looked like normal people. They talked kind of fast. They were really like naturalistic. And like, I just felt like, God, if I could just get in front of Shonda Rhimes, I think she might vibe my vibe. Like, I think this is a fit. And you know what's crazy? This girl I used to audition against all the time, Sarah Drew, we used to always go head to head on everything. She got the, uh, April on Grey's Anatomy. And I was like, great, get this girl out of here. Give this girl a job. And in my head, I was like, oh, if she likes Sarah Drew, she's definitely going to like me. Like, we could play <laughs> sisters. So, uh, yeah, I had the Shonda Rhimes bug. Grey's Anatomy was a huge hit. And, like, maybe The Office. Like, there were comedies, but there weren't a lot of dramas where the leading ladies weren't, like, fucking alien gorgeous you know and I was like I can't I knew that that wasn't my type you know like I just wasn't going to be able to do that and then I saw Grey's and I you know saw Sandra Oh and Chandra Wilson and and not that they're not fucking gorgeous and Meredith Grey and and they're all fucking gorgeous but they were like also something else going on and I was like okay I relate so yeah it had been in my head <laughs> Uh, what about you, Guillermo? Were you a fan of the shows, Grey's Anatomy or Private Practice or any of the other? And I do do just want to note that, you know, for like a decade, Grey's Anatomy aired on the opposite of The Office. So I just want to know what you were watching on Thursday nights at <laughs> nine o'clock, Guillermo. 
I, I was a huge fan of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, there you yeah, have it, Brian. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but now The Office, like my family is obsessed with The Office. Same. Whenever same, I go back home. Same. <laughs> they have it on in it's the background. The like best. it's nonstop. It's one of the greatest shows of all time. It. It's yes, one of the greatest shows yes, of all time. Yes. Oh, no. So yeah, I was a fan uh, was of Grey's Anatomy for sure. You were, yes. Yeah. Were you trying to get in the show? I mean, no. I mean, look, it's sort of a stupid I was just trying question, to get right? a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, but do you remember your experience auditioning? I do. Yeah, it was very, it was, uh, you know, I had one audition. I, I was, I was very uh, reluctant to audition for the role because I didn't understand why they wanted to see me. And the character description was, you know, he was a lot older and sort of described as a nebbish older guy who was obsessed with figurines. And I was like, what the hell is going on why am i going in for this she was all i'm pissed. never like, gonna I'm get this in my 50s I'm not in my 50s. and yeah. now i'm 51 and i'm like 50s the new 26 like <laughs> you know but i had that one audition and and i just went for it and and yeah i've tested for other shows and it's been the most grueling and nerve-wracking experience i'm sure katie can yeah. uh, agree with me Ugh, i just ever but the fact that shonda oh. did not put us through that oh fresh hell of testing over and over was so nice. And Wait, so, talk to so me about this. What are you talking about? There's no testing? No, I didn't, I didn't test me either. for her. She didn't no. test anybody. I mean, yeah. there, what they did was they would make an audition tape in Linda Lowy's office and her, you know, Linda Lowy cast Grays and cast Scandal and cast Private. And she um, would make the tape in the office and Shonda would have her pick and Linda would have her pick. They would be the same person. And they would send it to ABC Studio Network for to be nice for like approval. <laughs> but like they just sent the tape that you made in the room. You never had to go to studio or network and do the scene again. That's yeah. so amazing. Brian is like, yeah, it was. And yeah. you know why? Because Linda Lowy is married to Jeff Perry, who played Cyrus on Scandal. But Linda loves actors. And she's just like, not going to fucking do that. Like that's not her. At a certain point when they could, when they got to a place of success that they did not have to do that with ABC, they did not. And we benefited from it. Yes, we did. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I really want to get into the Chandelier world. No, that is that is incredible. That is unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's really like I auditioned once in the room. Shonda gave me a redirection. I did the scene again. They taped both takes. And then two weeks later, she called me into the office for what I thought was me going to audition again. And she was sitting in the room. And I it was weird and there was a tape going and I was like, okay, should I start the scene? And she was like, oh no, you don't have to. I've already sent the tape that you made two weeks ago to studio and network. You've already been approved and I'm going to give you the part. <laughs> and they videotaped it and I started ugly sobbing beyond epic <laughs> belief, Brian, like boogers, snot. I mean, I was running for my fucking babysitting job from a family who didn't believe in diapers where the baby was just pooping in between my legs over a toilet. <laughs> and... And I had the sides in my bag for another audition the next day. And I remember just like after they told me and I was hysterical crying, my agents didn't even know. Nobody knew. Wait, why and, did she call you back in? They wanted to videotape your yeah, response? And it's on yeah. the behind the scenes DVD of season one. And I look like a five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had to that. sit in my car. I remember after I was sobbing and I was like, what do I do now? And she was like, well, wardrobe is going to call you and there's going to be a table read. And I was like, there's going to be a table read. <laughs> 
And then she was like, and I said, this is the best day of my life. And she was like, but you just got engaged. I was like, this is way better. I was like, my engagement was horrible. I had a panic attack. I'm so scared to get married, but I've been fighting for this my whole life. Like, oh my God. and even then, you know, like I think what was so and I'm sure I've bet it was probably similar with The Office, actually. Like, we were never like, oh, yeah, we're getting picked up again. Yeah, we're a hit show. Like we were all so fucking tired and grateful to have a job and never, ever took for granted like we were a shoe in. So and she had something she's caught on our podcast and said, you know, she had a no asshole. She called our previous couple bosses to vouch for us. And our behavior and our personalities. Oh. Yeah. yeah. She was pretty serious about putting together a group of, like, nice people. Well, based on what I've heard from Bellamy, everyone was. <laughs> they were. It's really yeah. gross. It's just gross. Like, the press used to come up to us and be at, at events and be like, do you guys hang out with anybody else? Because we would just sort of. Be like, with each other at all these. Be at together. The TCAs or at, yeah. After, like, eight years. And they'd be like, but can you guys go talk to me? We'd be like, no, we only just, like, love each other. Um, <laughs> it was pretty magical. From the audition all the way through. That's yeah. what's so crazy. Yeah. Like the shoe, the other shoe never dropped where it was like, and that's mm-hmm. when everything went south. Nope. Right. One of the things that Bellamy said to me was that the the cast of Scandal was like a bunch of theater kids. Totally. I also think theater people for you, I think too, like I think theater people have this sense of the ensemble. Like it's yes. something bigger than your own singular performance, which I, I think is such a healthy way to for a long-running television show. It, it makes it so that, yes, I mean, Kerry Washington was obviously the star of Scandal, but, like, storylines move around so much when you've been on the show. And I think so much of, like, theater background is, like, this is an ensemble. This is, like, their storyline this week and my storyline next year. And, like, you know, just really understanding that you're part of a much bigger thing. Was there any conscious conversation about differentiating it from other shows about politics that had existed before? You mean like West Wing or something? Well, yeah, like West Wing. I mean, Shonda was obsessed with, she was a huge West Wing fan. Okay. And I remember when Melina walked on to set Josh Melina, it was the only time I've seen her starstruck in the last 15 years. <laughs> God, it was so crazy to be on a political show then, wasn't it, G? God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I don't even I don't even remember any other I didn't watch West Wing, but I don't even remember any other what were the other political shows that were were there even any others on at the time? Well, no. I mean, Veep came on oh, at yeah, the Veep. time. Yeah. And, and we all ended vibe. at the same time. I remember reading mm. some article in the New York Times, maybe or the LA Times, where like as soon as Trump got elected, Veep ended and Shonda chose to end Scandal because she was like, I'm I'm doing a terrible job quoting this, but she said something like, It's one thing to write a political show when all the lights are on in Washington. But when all the mm. lights are off in DC and we don't know what the fuck is going on anymore, I can't write anything. I can't do this world anymore. Mm. It was one of the reasons she like I mean, she always knew that Scandal would have a beginning, middle, and end, but um, I know that that did not help things at all. Yeah, it was crazy. I remember the cast always being dropped into D.C. for the White House Correspondent Dinner, and it was insane. We all got to meet Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, and Michelle Obama is all telling us how we, she watched Scandal all day, and it's her like thing to do on weekends, and I just about died on the floor. Like I just was like, this is insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
your characters, you guys had a little romance at one oh. point. Oh yeah. Yeah. A very, a very, uh, dark, dysfunctional, <laughs> uh, chaotic romance. I'm air quoting. If you would even call it a romance, I think it was more of a, I don't know, like a crazy sort of connection that they had and they just lusted ever after each other. And, we yeah, played was, like crazy motherfuckers. Like, yeah. so Garbo yeah. plays a spy, torturer, killer, but he takes me under his wing and I get really good also. And then we bone town USA for like a yeah. bunch while, but <laughs> it's like I, I was so de- messy, I was dirty. Being delicate. I was being delicate <laughs> it's for a purpose. So insane. And how was that filming? together it was that fun as hell it was so much fun i say that about nobody else by the way (laughs) the the times on the show that i got to torture people or um have crazy like on-camera sex with quinn were the most fun ever you know what i mean it was real debbie allen directed the first episode where we had to like, I smack your face, then you grab my cheeks so that I can't speak. You're, like, hurting my face. And, oh, yeah. I smacked him so hard his ears was ringing. It was yeah, awful, Yeah, I lost my Brian. hearing for, like, half an hour. I've talked about this on other shows. But I was like, Katie, smack me for real. Like, do it for real, for real. And then I was like, what did you say, Debbie? Like, I couldn't hear. I was like. We had been friends for three years already and done three seasons when our characters took a turn to get together. So, we had a lot of actually like actory conversations where we were like, we got to use a lot of tongue. Like these two are not this classic yeah. movie star TV kissing bullshit where it's Hell like no. just a lot of lip. Like we're fans of that. Like we love watching Carrie and Fitz, do, Fitz and Olivia do that. But for Quinn and Hawk, they beat to a different drum. They're super weird, super kinked out. They torture people for fun. So we were like, these to feel authentic to them, we have to be weird. Yeah. And thank God we were so close and I we felt really safe and like yeah. able to go there because I, I actually think it would have been really weird had Quinn and Huck just sort of done like a PG thirteen sort of vibe. Like yeah. they were weird. Yeah. I also feel like I don't know if I would have been able to if we would have been able to do this if it wasn't you and I. Like oh, I, I'm, no I'm, way. I'm trying I to died. think oh my God, oh my God. No, if no, I no. had a different act, <laughs> actor that I was working with that was playing Quinn, I don't know if I would have felt so comfortable or to be like, hey Katie, like let's Can really I spit just on go you? for did it. You yeah, ask I'm gonna, at some point? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even ask you, but I did. Oh, I spit okay. on you. But then oh. afterwards, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You were like, I don't care. It was oh, yeah. great. Well, we had already had the conversation. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can do anything. Do like, we were so yeah. game. We yes. just felt very safe. And, and Did you have a safe word? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. What? Um, so, wait. Did you take it further than the writers had intended? Yes. I think so. I yeah. think so too. Yeah, but I they mean, liked they wrote it. weird shit. So like, uh, we had already licked each other's faces. Right. He had pulled my teeth out with t- right. pliers that right. had already been in the script. Right. So it's like, yeah, w- yeah. maybe <laughs> they didn't write spit or slap or right. that kind of thing. But we had already gone to some really freaking weird dark places. But I do mm. think we took it further than what they wrote. Yeah. Seven years together, mm-hmm. very difficult to say goodbye. How was it for you all? I, f- I feel like it was difficult to say goodbye to the show, but it wasn't difficult to say goodbye to the, I, I mean, it was difficult, but I felt like they're going to be in my life forever. Yeah. 
So that didn't feel like I was like there was I was experiencing a loss as far as the actors. But the show, I was I was I mourned. I mean, playing Huck for a long time. I'm still mourning it. <laughs> He's the greatest character of all time. You know, we were really lucky. Shonda had told us a year before that it was ending. So we had a lot of goodbyes. We had a lot mm-hmm. of last things. I feel like I actually was kind of relieved. Like, as weird as that is, I just felt like we did it. Like, we did it well. We did the goodbyes well. We played our parts well. No one, everyone left on amazing terms. Like, I just was so proud of us that we all, like, laid our heads on the pillow at the wrap being like, we fucking did that show. I was, like, so proud. And not to say that it would have taken a turn. You know, I think we could have done it for a million more years, but we really finished on a high, and that's what Shonda wanted. And I do think it would have been different to be on a political show under a different presidency. I do. Like, I think, you know, we were sort of in this wonderful bubble of, like, Obama and the world looked different and it was pre-pandemic. And so I'm sort of glad it ended where it did. And they gave us so many chances to say goodbye. Yeah. Nice. We're we're watching episodes now of the show and Katie and I are like, um— It's so much crazier in real life than we were ever on the show politically wise that you're right. I don't know if it would have if it would have even, you know, resonated with people. It would have been like vanilla. Yeah. You know what I mean? With all the crazy stuff that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think we got out with our with our heads held high and and we can be grateful for that. You have a new podcast, Unpacking, Unpacking the, tool the Toolbox, yeah, Brian. about Scandal. What what made you want to dive back into it? Did, did you Actually, just miss each other? I was listening other? to Office Ladies. Okay. And I was yes. listening to all these other Rewatch podcasts, and I was like, yo, someone is definitely going to jump on this Scandal thing, and it should <laughs> definitely be me and Guillermo. <laughs> I had already had a podcast for five years called Katie's Crib that's also produced by Shondaland Audio, and it's a parenting podcast, and it was the first one they had underneath um, Shondaland's audio department. Yes. So I just called them, and I was like, do you think you could do a Scandal Rewatch? I feel like we have 124 episodes. The Gladiators have been bored out of their minds with no content for years since we went off the air. Guillermo and I love to hang out anyway, and we're funny and cute, even though you don't see us. Our voices are delicious. Let's do this. I I pitched it before I even had like a yes from, I didn't even tell Guillermo. (laughs) (laughs) You knew I was going to be like, hell yeah. I hope so. I mean, he's the busiest actor and he's very, very in demand and everybody wants him. But I was like, dude, you could just stay at home. In. So in. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I know you're not on Twitter that much anymore, Katie, but I still am. And the amount of people that are listening to the podcast and are flipping out over it and are they so are? excited about it and have started to rewatch oh, Scandal that makes on Hulu my heart. is remarkable. The, the other thing, Brian, like The Office, that everyone's like watching it now and you're probably right. getting like Grey's Anatomy has all these new teenagers that are literally starting Grey's Anatomy from the beginning. The Office is having the same thing. And Scandal... I didn't know until us rewatching it, 100% holds up. Yes. And works and is a wonderful ride of TV. And I'm just like, yeah. it's on Hulu. You guys can stream this. Like, I'm watching all the other hot shows that are nominated for every fucking Emmy under the sun. And like, <laughs> Scandal's a great show. Yeah. <laughs> is it fun to go back and rewatch? Do you remember it? 
it, it was it was a scary at first to think about having to go and start to watch all these episodes. But now so much time has passed. I feel like I'm watching someone else. And that's really, really nice. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm a true scandal fan now, a gladiator. And I'm able to just enjoy it, you know, without any of all my critical brain jumping in and being like, why did you do that like that? Or why did you say that line like that? I'm I'm just sitting back and enjoying it. And it's so freaking good. And I'm also, so good. You're no, I'm so I'm well, good. <laughs> no, so, like, it's also the perfect amount of time. Like yeah. I think te- it's been ten years since the first season. So we're I'm I don't rem- I'm like who is that? Like yeah. this is so long ago. And like you said, I don't really remember a lot of the scenes that I shot, but I do remember the behind the scenes stuff. Right. Very yes. well. Yes. Yeah. Same. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You're awesome, Brian. You're You're awesome, awesome. Brian. Stop it. Keep going. (laughs) Um, As Katie mentioned, Guillermo, you're the busiest man in television. Recently, Law and Order organized crime. How was that? It was it was it was trippy, but at the same time, it's a universe that I always feel comfortable in when they invite me back and it was a blast and and you know and in and in this law and order organized crime i was not playing a criminal i was playing a yes. a detective look at you which <laughs> which was nice up. baby's yes. grown up oh yeah. but he was still he was still an crooked? asshole like the oh, character asshole. was sort okay. of crooked and yeah. an asshole <laughs> yeah um and and i got to you know to act with chris maloney and and uh Marishka Hargitay and Ice T because there was a lot of crossover with uh, Law and Order SVU, so it was it was really really fun. And I don't know if I'm going back. I was recurring on the show. I don't know if I'm going back, but if life they have of me an back, actor, I'll... folks. Life right? of an actor. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Katie, God. you of course were in the most talked about show of 2022. Inventing Anna. Inventing Anna. Shondaland. Thanks for having me. (laughs) To the Shondaland universe. Uh, Were you surprised by all of the discussion of that? It's so bizarre to me. People are like the most obsessed with that story of all time. I truly was not. And I've talked about this with Shonda. Like, she's obsessed with the story and people are obsessed with Anna Delvey. I'm like, this bitch is a psycho (laughs) and a sociopath and not kind and broke laws and like get her out of here like i don't understand but i get i don't know people are i mean people talk to me every day i get a text about like did you hear what's happening with anna delvey like she's doing this i'm like i don't care they gave her a goddamn show she got they gave her a goddamn show i mean i don't know she's a criminal yeah she's a criminal i don't i i never was like that obsessed look i was so thrilled to be part of the story and i'm so glad the show was wildly successful and julia garner i would act with her if she was reading the phone book she's so genius and laverne mm. cox and anna klumsky and i mean the cast was ridiculous and of course shonda the writing was wonderful and i got to play a part that was so difficult and i got to go to morocco for a month and stay in the hotel where my character was conned nice. and i took my whole family and it was the shit um, that's awesome. But I feel like that was my swan song playing a 27 year old. Like I 40. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Like I can't Yeah. like, whoa, it's so fascinating though, because there were a couple of years ago, it was the, the murder doc series stuff. Oh, you know, there was yeah. the, you know, all, murder obsessed. in the Wisconsin town. I can't yes. think of what it was called. Like yes. that was the thing. And then last year, it was like all of the con things. 
and I have to say, oh, yeah, I'm the a drop bit, like, out, the, the drop this, out, the Uber, venting, the, yeah. the Tinder swindler, the Tinder thing, swindler, yeah, yeah, all of these stories about these people who are just horribly deceptive people doing terrible things to people. And I'm a little bit like you where I'm like, I don't understand why we just don't take these people and, and lock them away. I don't either. I, yeah, I was, it was never a big thing for me, but I was psyched for the job. Well, it was a great show with a great performance by you. Thank and, you, Brian. Uh, Thank uh, you. I had to cry a lot. Tears you, you, you had to cry a lot. <laughs> a lot. And, but you got the stick. Oh, See, you did. Yeah. You didn't back in the. All day. You, you didn't back in the. I have like days. an hour's worth of takes in me without one, if that. And then I'm like, tear stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't care who knows it. <laughs> you guys are awesome. I, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me. For You're a awesome, bit. Brian. You're awesome. Unpacking the toolbox if you're a Scandal fan or even if you're not. Yeah, totally. Right now, check out the podcast because that will enable you to definitely check out Scandal. You guys, thank you so much. Come Thank back anytime. You, Thank you, Brian. Thank you. It's so Bye, much fun. Bye, everybody. Katie, Guillermo, you guys are the best. Thank you so much. Good luck on the podcast, Unpacking the Toolbox. And thank you so much for joining me and telling me the juiciest scandal ever because that is definitely what just happened uh listeners make sure to tune in to their podcast and come back here next week for more stories off the beat it can't come soon enough and have a great week everyone off the beat is hosted and executive produced by me brian baumgartner alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Diego Tapia. Our producers are Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan, Papa Zachary, and our intern is Sammy Katz. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by the one and only Creed Bratton. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.